0: I think what Tantra is, is really about looking within. And I think that's what I really love about it and that I want people to take home. It's not about kind of this external gizmos and gadgets or whips and chains and, you know, whatever. If that's stuff you want to incorporate, fine. But This is more about your own heart and the connection with your partner and spirituality and deep, deep intimacy and kindness and compassion. And I think everybody could probably create more room for those kinds of things in their sexual practice. If you're like most folks, you've probably heard of tantric sex. And while you might be curious about it, you probably can't imagine ever practicing it with your partner. I mean, who has time for that, right? Um, think again, my friend, my guest today is going to shed some light on how the everyday couple can incorporate Tantric principles into their sex life in a way that deepens intimacy, expands meaning and enhances emotional and physical pleasure, good intention an open heart and a little strategic breathing are really all you need to practice Tantric sex. Listen today. You'll thank me later, but first let's get to know our guest. Dr. Sally Valentine, how great of a name is that, by the way, is a psychotherapist and sex therapist supervisor who is certified in sex therapy, hypnotherapy, EMDR, and imago relationship therapy. She has been practicing for over 20 years in Boca Raton, Florida. Dr. Valentine uses Tantra in her psychotherapy practice and creatively teaches Tantra to her clients, couples, and colleagues to enhance connection, self-awareness, intimacy, sexual competency, and to overcome sexual wounds. Okay, welcome to the show, Sally. Thank you, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I am so excited to have you on with me today. We have been longtime colleagues and I've been following you for a long time. And I think what you're known for in the community are these tantric sex workshops. And it is something I have always been so interested in. I reached out to you because what I want to learn today and what I hope my listeners will learn are just some simple tantric tips for the quote unquote, everyday lover. Like what are some things that people can incorporate into their sex life to deepen pleasure, enhance intimacy that are drawn from tantric traditions? And Sally, before we dive into some specific techniques, I want to hear a little bit about what made you get interested in Tantra. And if you could just tell people a little bit about your journey, I think that'd be a great place to start. So um, thank you for even asking, because it came
1: in a very unexpected way. So I grew up in a basic Catholic family and um, grew up, got married, had children. When I was in the field of sex therapy and psychotherapy, I would notice my couples who seemed to have um, struggling with different areas of intimacy. And one of the things I noticed is there was so much emphasis placed on techniques that weren't or were helping and struggles around how to feel more connected with each other. That Tantra really does address. When I was working on my PhD for clinical sexology, I realized as during my uh, literature review that a lot of articles mentioning Tantra. Uh, sex and Tantra were included. And it just got me really curious. So as I read more and more, it really felt like that's what was missing. And as this Catholic girl who really didn't learn much about sex and uh, anything about sex, actually, when I learned that there was a real strong sexual spiritual component to sex. That is what really interested me. So learning more about the sacredness of sex um, was something that I found really important and something that we really don't talk about much in psychotherapy or in couples therapy back then. So um, that's really how I got into it. Just kind of learning more and more about this sacredness piece that I feel like sometimes and many times is excluded out of the formula, which is sad <laughs> for lots of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I'm you know, I'm just thinking back to all of the clients I've seen over the years who come in because they're experiencing some kind of sexual dysfunction, which usually means a part of their body isn't working the way that they want it to. And even when you know we get them to a place where that's no longer an issue, a lot of times they're still wanting more. They're wanting to feel a deeper level of energy, which I think is what you're describing is really key to Tantra.
1: Right, and that's exactly right. So um, the thing that I find that is the the foundation piece of tantric practice is around the breath. And you mentioned energy, the breath will encourage the energy. And um, something else you probably don't know is before I was in this field, I used to be an intensive care respiratory therapist. So we worked a lot with breath. And But the breath that I was working with, with uh, my patients at that time in hospitals, was about how to take nice, full, deep breaths, an abdominal breath, um, which is what respiratory therapists will often teach their patients who are having a hard time breathing, and especially chronic obstructive lung disease patients. So um, I learned a lot about the breath in that field, and incorporating the breath, on a more um, elevated level of um, energy and tuning into the body, that was a great place to start. So the breath that I would teach, and I do teach, and I teach a lot in my sessions with my couples, uh, and not only couples, individual people, is about taking full breaths. And taking our breaths and breathing uh, fully and completely and slowly helps keep us grounded. So a lot of people I find in their sexual experiences, disconnect from their bodies. And a way to reconnect from your body and in your body is to take a full breath and be more conscious of your body and your body sensations and, um, and uh, staying a little bit more uh, mindful of the breathing and the body movements rather than what's up in your head.
0: Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And I encourage anyone listening to pay closer attention the next time you're having sex or making love. And I'm sure a lot of people will realize that they're holding their breath without even realizing it. So before we get into specific techniques, can you define Tantra? Because when I was beginning to prep for this episode, I was overwhelmed with information. I realized that Tantra is a lot more than what I even realized. So can you break it down for people listening just so that they have a clear understanding of what exactly that means?
1: So I have a very simple and pat response for definition because the more people practice practices of tantra they they kind of get it themselves and it the meaning of it makes sense to them as they live it but tantra is a spiritual practice that's the first part of it and it utilizes specific practices with the breath with sound with body movement and with visualizations so all of those combined help move into tantric practice
0: so that is a quick, basic kind of definition. Got it. Interesting. And Tantra is a practice bigger than sexuality. I mean, Tantra is a whole kind of spiritual practice. Sex is a part of that for some sex of, and that's S-E-C-T, different sex of Tantra. But do I have that right? You have it absolutely right. That's one of
1: the things I had um, that I do teach about is, the principles. What's the principles of Tantra even mean? Well, it does mean it's a whole lot more than just about sex. It means that it's just being present, being in the moment. And who of us can't appreciate that, you know, about being here, being, tuning into your body, being present in your mind, in your body, and then open heartedness, you know, just being open-hearted. These are practices, these are principles that practicing Tantra is part of it. That's free of judgment, you know, being more unconditionally love, you know, just being that. And then revering sex, Tantra reveres sex. A lot of the other kinds of spiritual practices don't really, if they even mention it, that's not what they'll mention. And um, so Tantra is unlike a religion. It's not a religion. It is it is a practice. It is a spiritual practice. So it is uh, revering sex. It's a vehicle. They consider it a vehicle for higher consciousness. And it's all inclusive. Like they, they, nobody is kicked out of Tantra practices. So you can be anybody. You can be any, uh, any gender, any orientation any lifestyle. It is really for everybody.
0: I love that. And let me ask you, Sally, how do you get people to jump from feeling like sex is a chore? Because I know so many people feel like that. We lead such busy lives to seeing sex as something that is revered and sacred and worth your time. Yes. So,
1: um, mostly, Emily, when I see people who express that, like feel it as a chore, that that generally they're speaking, it's a chore within their relationship. So, and in that regard, it is a lot about being present in your relationship and being present in your, um, in your own body, knowing what you want, knowing what you like, knowing more about your body, knowing how you're relating with your partner. So one of the things that I've incorporated into my teachings with Tantra is really my teachings around couplehood and um, my training with Amago uh, Training, Amago Relationship Training. So it's really about tuning in. We, I've done a lot of training in um, trauma work. So it is about tuning in, staying present, staying grounded, all these aspects, which are also part of Tantra practices. So, um, so people who find it a chore. Um, helping them to learn to stay in their body, experience in their body, experience a sensuality within their body, experiencing um, the pleasure of their body. So instead of it, I mean, the truth is who wants to have sex if it's not fun? I mean, who even wants to masturbate if you're not, if it's not fun? Exactly. Nobody does. It's, it's it's how do we shift from that, it's a chore, into what it can possibly be. So helping people tune into their own bodies, tuning into what brings them pleasure, tuning into their bodies to know where their bodies feels good for them. And oftentimes it does start with an individual solo practice of touching oneself, knowing where you do enjoy, touching where touching feels good for you and then teaching your partner what feels good for you.
0: Yeah, and I love what you said before when you were describing Tantra and its sacredness within the relationship and the couple dyad as, you know, of course there's the pleasure, component that's in the body, but there's the emotional and spiritual component as well. You know, and you talk about it being a very open hearted practice. I think that's so key for people to remember. I think a lot of couples go don't realize that they're going into sex with so many expectations, not just of themselves, but of their partner. And so it can almost feel like it's got, you know, it's one person's goals versus another person's goals. And how can you collaborate to make sure everyone's goals are being met? And while collaboration is inherently good, I mean, that's something we encourage couples to do. I think Tantra takes it a step further and that it's more of a a union. I don't know. You probably have better language than I do to describe it, but, but it just feels softer to me when you, when you describe the practice.
1: Well, it's a level of consciousness, it's um, being aware, a level of awareness, mindfulness, being conscious, conscious of yourself and conscious of your partner, what, um, what you come together as a team, and set a each individual wanting separate things coming together. And, uh, and the consciousness piece is, you know, I know what I like, I know what I want, and I really want to know what you like and what you want because I care for you and you're so important to me. I also want to bring the pleasure to you as I want pleasure myself. So it's a, it is very collaborative. It's collaborative in the exchange between two people or more. But we'll we'll just go with that, the diets, you know, and the sharing and being the, the inquisitive, the curious person to also know what your partner wants and know what you want. And know if what's happening isn't what you like or what you want, that you have agency within yourself, the ability to speak up and to advocate for yourself or to say, you know, a different thing or to
0: move a different way. So... I love that. I think it's such a mindset. I mean, in what you're describing, the words that come to my mind are, you know, tender and kind and curious and generous. And, you know, those are the words that are evoked within me as I hear you described t- Tantra practices. And I think a lot of people go into sex with a lot of tension and anxiety and expectations and opposing needs and it's we want to try to get people away from that let's shift for just a second to talk about some of the myths of tantra what it is and what it isn't because i think a lot of people have a lot of ideas about what tantric sex is but can you shed some light on the truth
1: Yes. yes okay well we did talk one is what i already mentioned is that tantra isn't a uh religion so, people think it is. And like growing up Catholic, or if you're Jewish, or if you're whatever your religion, whatever you practice, you can also practice Tantra and, and, and do that too. So, you can be Catholic, you can be Buddhist, you can be uh, Jewish, you can be whatever your religion is, and also uh, stay in a, in a place of being mindful of your body, of your partner's body, being curious. Uh, tuning into your energy tuning into your breath uh, allowing your body to receive and to give to accept to surrender all of these that you can also do and be whatever the religion is you had so that's the one thing that um, I I think people can get a little bit fearful about especially if someone is coming to us and they're just there they want to address this issue and uh the talk of tantra if it should come up it comes up with a Lot of misunderstandings and also fears that you know it's an orgy thing and it's not, you know, and uh, not that it it can't be in certain situations, but not when you're you know learning. At a workshop mostly, if hopefully if that's the case, they let you know ahead of time, but that's not the kind that I teach. Yeah. So um yeah, so that's another thing, that it is only good for a certain kind of a person. It's good for everybody, any anyone can can practice tantra the one you mentioned too, it's not all about sex. Tantra, there is tantric sex, but it's not all about, in fact, most of it is not about sex. It's really about being authentic. It's really about being true to self. It's really about being um, conscious uh, and conscientious. It's, It's not about, just about sex. And it doesn't encourage you to join in these sexual groups or, I mean, you you know, if you go to a workshop, you're not going to be forced to join some other alternative lifestyle kind of thing. No, that, you know, it would always be, that would be your choice, but that's not what the tantra uh, practices will be teaching you.
0: Right. Think, I mean, I think everything you just listed are a lot of the common myths that people believe when it comes to Tantra. And so hopefully everyone listening to that can then go share it with your partner because I guarantee your partner has some of these ideas about Tantra. And especially if maybe they're hesitant to try some of this stuff out, I think first shedding light on the truth can be really helpful.
1: Well, let me tell you something else that people have told me in the workshop. So, first off, I've been teaching these workshops for 18 years. And one of the things I hear regularly is that sometimes they come in with misgivings and a lot of anxiousness about what we're going to be doing. They usually will comment early in (laughs) to the workshop is about how normal it feels. So I think that they're afraid that they may be placed in these situations or that uh, the teacher is uh, like a little bit Not mainstream. I'm very mainstream. So I mean, (laughs) uh, uh, and I think that it is that that is a relaxation for them. They they feel there's a safety in knowing. Okay, this. This person's not going to send us off to the, you know, the deep end here, but, right. but we're gonna learn, we're gonna do something that's fun and something that is meaningful for us. That's yeah.
0: A- and I think that's the key word, meaningful, something that's really gonna deepen the erotic mm-hmm. connection in a really profound way. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to step too far outside of your comfort zone. In fact, I think what tantra is is really about looking within. And I think that's what I really love about it and that I want people to take home. It's not about kind of this external gizmos and gadgets or whips and chains and you know, whatever, if that's stuff you want to incorporate fine, but this is more about your own heart and the connection with your partner and spirituality and deep, deep intimacy and kindness and compassion. And I think everybody could probably create more room for those kinds of things in their sexual practice.
1: That's right. And at the same time, because it is learning and wanting to Uh, go deeper and tend to oneself and partner and partners maybe, but um, also there is an area where uh, learning to go deep inside yourself and asking for what you want and uh, giving and receiving, a component of that could be that, you know, we talk about the gentle and the tender, but there could be people who enjoy a deeper, harder, uh, more intense kind of more the BDS and group. there's a possibility if that's what you're interested in, that you can learn more also around Tantra to uh, deepen that practice, if that's your practice. So
0: yeah, definitely. Thank you for clarifying that. So Sally, you talk about Tantra practice on four levels. What do you mean by that? What are the four levels?
1: So they're like your, um, first off, we think about the mind, and so the mind is more about all the messages that we got, you know, the um, the beliefs that uh, we have grown up with, the beliefs around sex, the belief around couplehood, relationships, and all these beliefs that really inform us when we show up as adults um, how to be and what to expect. And so um, that is one of the components of, uh, on a level that we work with. So we want to address the, the beliefs or the misbeliefs that we grew up with that affect how we show up uh, truthful? How do we show up authentically within ourselves? And um, so that is one of the areas. The other area is our body. How do we tune into our bodies? Um, you know, a lot of times people uh, show up with with their bodies that are shut down. They are disconnected from their bodies that for many reasons and how it showed, however it was by the time they got to be adult-like. Um, so it's really, and the messages around your body, uh, body image, all of that stuff that really affects how you feel about your body. So it's a, a way to, by breath and by tuning into your senses, you bring yourself back into the experience of your body, the full experience of your body and your heart. You know, mm-hmm. if we are, if, if our hearts are shut down, if we are in have a woundedness around our heart, if we have been hurt, deeply hurt, if we're afraid, if we uh, can't trust. Um, uh, There's a number of people that are very good at giving, but receiving is another story. You know, so it's how do we keep our hearts open? And so that's another level that Tantra helps to move a person into I keep going back to the word authenticity because I believe that's what this is part of this is. um how do we feel more in tune and true to ourselves? And then of course the the other part is our our solar energy, the energy piece yeah that energy that breath are if we are have rapid breath rapid full breath we're really uh, promoting a lot more energy movement in our body if we slow our breath down um we're allowing the energy to circulate more through our bodies so there's that piece of, of that soulful that connected with sacred that uh, we we can um access through our awareness and our work with our energy or soul work
0: Hearing that Tantra is a really good way of addressing some of the more common sexual issues and even relationship issues that people come in with. I mean, negative beliefs, a closed heart, a mind-body disconnect, and really that deeper level Gestalt, if you will, kind of the sum is greater than the parts energy flow between the couple or, you know, multiple partners, if that's the case, that Mm -hmm. feels like it's missing. And I really believe that until all four of those things are in alignment that you cannot really experience sex to its fullest. And of course, if you're not experiencing all of those pleasures, as it relates to sex, you're maybe not going to want to do it as much. And, (laughs) you know, I I think it's so important, especially for my clients who come in with low desire issues, or there's discrepancy in desire. You know, I always want to understand what the quality of the sexual experience is, because I'm like, look, if we can't improve the quality of the sexual interaction, there's really nothing I can do for your desire to have it. And I see Tantra as a way Way of really, really profoundly enhancing the quality of the sexual interaction.
1: Yeah, and it it uh, and it comes with some uh, persistent practice. It comes with, yes, we can and it's possible. And it, um, while it could be a one-time thing and you'll have a one-time experience, but if you wanna keep it in your life, then it is a practice. It is a continual tuning into yourself, a continue, continued, in that inquisitiveness, that curiosity of self and others, and your other partner or partners, if, you, if that's your lifestyle. But it's um, always tuning in and constantly asking the questions. Um, Um, You know, what is it that I need? What is it that I'm I'm feeling in this moment in time? What can I expand on within my own life, within my partner's life? It's something that even though it's a, it, it starts with a solo practice, but even though it does, if we keep at it, I think throughout our life, and life stages, and life cycles, and phases of life, keeping Tantra as one of your practices will help you, in no matter what goes on in your life at, at any time, but it's a practice. So even in my own life, if things are happening uh, outside of my professional work, and you know, things happen, that um, I find I'm able to most feel grounded and centered if I can bring in some of these practices of breath work, of tuning into my body, uh, of a regular breath work and tuning into my body and staying aware of myself and uh, not getting caught up in all the mind stuff that can happen when we're in distress of everyday life sometimes. Like yeah. The
0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. My inbox is flooded with DMs on a daily basis with people just like you who want help with their sex and relationship issues. I wish I had time to answer all your questions, but luckily, other resources are available look without healthy relationships and a calm mind being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is help is available. You deserve to be happy and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp help is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. And as a special offer to Love & Libido listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com slash Dr. Emily. That's BetterHelp.com slash Dr. Emily. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. I want to take a moment to tell you about an incredible app called MJoy. MJoy is an app for women who want to learn how to have consistent orgasms, boost their libido, experience body acceptance and high self-esteem, and improve their relationships. Join the hundreds of thousands of women who have already benefited from all that MJoy has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to claim your 14-day free trial. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. You said a couple times that Tantra begins with a solo practice. Can you share maybe one technique that people can try on their own to kind of get a taste of what that feels like?
1: Yes. And I'm going to say it and say that this is breath. It's a breath work. And this is a breath that I learned back in my early twenties as a respiratory therapist. Uh, back then we called it the abdominal breath. Since then, I've learned it's the yogic breath, and it's also the tantric breath. So it is really a basic breath. I'm going to first tell you a little bit, uh, a sentence or two, about the mechanics of it. So if... If when I was in the hospital talking to my patients, I would describe it like this. Taking a full breath in through your nose, breathing in, allowing your lungs to expand, having your diaphragm drop down as you expand your lungs. And when it does so, your abdomen will extend out. When you exhale, your abdomen will fall back to its resting state. The diaphragm will move back up to its original place and the flow of air moves up and out. So that is the mechanics of an abdominal breath. So, um, I'll teach it to you. And what, when I teach to other people, I invite them to shut their eyes or just look down or however you want. And, um, just for the sole purpose of an initial teaching of this breath, I suggest breathing in through your nose and out through your nose. There's a whole lot of variations. You can breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. If you have a deviated septum or your nose is all stuffed up and you can't breathe in your nose, then obviously breathe through your mouth. So, But I suggest the nose first uh, because that's a more calming breath. So if everybody is ready, if you just take a Full breath in, breathe in through your nose, a nice full breath in. Really extend your chest out, allowing the flow of air to move in your lungs. And as you do, allow your belly to move out, extend out. And now as you exhale, allow your belly to return back to its resting state. And you can just press a little on your belly if you want to, to help facilitate it's moving back to its resting state as you're exhaling the flow of air will move back up and out your nostrils and that's just a full deep breath and and when you shut your eyes or you look down you're kind of limiting distractions that we can see when we're looking around so that's a purpose of closing your eyes or looking down and uh, notice how you feel. If you take a couple more breaths of those breaths, a full breath in, expanding your lungs, allowing your lungs to fill completely as your abdomen extends out. And when you exhale, allow your abdomen to move back to its resting state as the flow of air moves up and out your nostril. So notice if you feel a little bit calmer than you did before just those two breaths. Uh, And so this is a way to calm your nervous system down pretty easily and just to take some of those deep, full breaths. So what that will do for you is help move you into a more centered place and just allow also to notice that your muscles relax, kind of drop your shoulders, and continue just to breathe in that manner, and um, I would then suggest to, as you do that breathing, just a slow breath. If you start to feel your fingers, <laughs> toes tingling, you're breathing too fast or hyperventilating, but uh, just a slow, full breath, and tuning into what it feels like as you inhale. Notice your chest rise, notice your belly extend out. Notice that cool air as you breathe in through your nose. And when you exhale, notice your abdomen that returns back. Notice your diaphragm up and the flow of air moves up, and that warm air is exhaled out your nostrils. Notice the air around your body. Notice what you hear or what you feel as you're sitting in the chair if you're sitting or if you're laying, what it feels like where your body is touching any surface. So then we move into a mindfulness of what else is surrounding us. And then I would recommend and suggest as you breathe in, you you visualize As the air moves in, that you're breathing in energy, moving it all the way down your body, all the way down to your sit bone, where you're sitting and exhaling and visualize that air that you're breathing is energy that you're moving through your body. And then we move into energy. We move into awareness of energy in our bodies.
0: Yeah, and I I imagine how much more wonderful and deeper, even a masturbatory session or solo sex play session would be if people would just begin with a few really deep abdominal breaths, like we just practiced.
1: Absolutely. Some people masturbate and do that after some people Do that kind of breathing first and then move into their masturbatory practice. So and then move right into a meditation if they want to. So but this this is the beginning of just tuning in, of uh, slowing down and uh, and then being aware of the body. And now imagine if both people are doing that, if you're in a couplehood and both of you are doing that, and you can even do that if you're in couplehood, you can do that facing each other and you can uh, make eye contact if you want to and kind of move into a place of which we call eye gazing and you're looking to each other's eyes as you do that kind of breath. And so now you're breathing and you're moving your energy and your eye gazing. And there is energy that's generated in our eye gaze with our partner. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing we kind of move right on into.
0: Yeah. And I think that's something every couple or anyone who's having sex, whether that's one person or multiple people needs to keep in mind because so many people struggle with the transition, right? I mean, they have this expectation that they should be able to go like a light switch from the craziness of their everyday life to somehow feeling sexually aroused. And a lot of times they'll move from like, you know, doing the dishes to genital stimulation. And I'm like, no wonder you can't get in the mood or you're not feeling connected to your body. We just don't work like that. And so for every couple to at least sit together, maintaining eye contact and connecting with their own internal breath and moving that energy through their own body and feeling it pass between their own body and their partner's body. I think people would sit like that for like 30 seconds even (laughs) that it could make a huge difference just to have a few deep shared breaths. I think that's what a lot of people need to make the transition from life to the erotic realm.
1: Yes. And even if it's just the intimate realm, let's even, it could be erotic, but what if you just want to even tune into each other to just even talk about what's in your heart in that moment? Mm -hmm. Uh, Erotic is fabulous, but even, you know, some people can't even go there yet. They just, they need more of a tuning into our hearts.
0: Totally baby steps
1: guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What about tantric sex positions? Cause I think that's another thing that comes to people's mind when they think of tantra or like wild and crazy sex positions. How much does that play into tantric practice? Or is that more of a kind of marketing element of it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) There, there is one. Typical one that um, that you will hear a lot of. It's called the yab yum, and that is a position where one person is sitting with their legs crossed, and their partner straddles them. And but the purpose of it is to align the energy centers in the body, so um, the energy centers in our in our bodies are lined up against your partner because you're facing each other, and then you can move into some sexual experiences in that way that and that happens and people do make love in that way and they have a great time but also you don't have to be making love you can just breathe together in that position and also we got to think about what people's are physically able to do now I I'm a yoga teacher as well as taught you know teaching these tantra workshops and even in yoga that you know not everybody can do all these asanas or positions or postures and so you've got to do what's comfortable for you what if you have knee issues or hip issues or now younger people might not have that they might but you know as you get older that kind of stuff adds up so I always suggest people you, let's let us start with what feels comfortable for the Two of you, you know, in terms of any type of tantric positions. So you want to be aware. If you're facing each other, you can eye gaze together. If you're facing each other, you can be attuning to your your energy centers. But in any position that you might be in, you can also stay focused in on energy centers and and the flow of energy and, and visualizing the flow of energy in a circuit between you and your partner, whatever position you're in.
0: Yeah, and you've mentioned this a couple of times, the importance of eye gaze. And I think that is so important. And I find that to be so telling of how truly open and authentic a couple is with each other. Like I have so many people where they're expecting these wild and crazy homework assignments. And I'll give them something like try to open your eyes when you make love. And they look at me like I have just assigned something totally out of left field. But I'm like, this is such an important fundamental skill that really every couple should be able to do if you want to truly deepen pleasure in some ways. Now, of course, sometimes closing the eyes makes it easier to tune into what's happening in your body. But I think at least periodically to maintain that eye contact can be really profound and open up a lot of what may be blocked energy.
1: Well, that's true, and the tantricas and the tantrics from years ago did believe that. But what I am noticing also are there some people who can't look into the eyes of the other. And I learned that over the years of teaching this, that um, while originally I thought that that is a great experience for everyone to have, But there's some people, people on the spectrum, some. Yes. There's always exceptions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and we always want to be aware of that uh, because they may be the ones that show up. And um, what I find that can often happen is when you first invite them to look into each other's eyes and, you know, do the eye gazing, there's giggles and all kinds of stuff because you're
0: so out of practice of doing that. Yeah, it feels awkward. You're not used to it.
1: Exactly. And, you know, when you think about it, how often, but also I think that when people are really in conflict and like when we come to see, when they come for us as a therapist, they're not coming to us if they're coming for couples therapy because they're getting along, something's off. So, I mean, something might be specifically off that the other parts of them are going good, but oftentimes I find people who are in conflict come and they haven't looked each other in, in each other's, in the eyes in a long time. And they do it that way because they uh, are angry or resentful. So moving into a space of like, we talked earlier about the open heartedness to relaxing into uh, more of an eye contact, I, I would even, I would start off with just looking into each other. And I feel what what, you know, feel our way around this, because if they're angry, if they're hurt, If they're just resentful of the other, they may not want to look into each other's eyes and asking them to look into each other's eyes when they're in that state isn't so helpful. So sometimes I'll just check it out, make eye contact. If I see it's a struggle, I might I might suggest go ahead and close your eyes and take some deep breaths and Mm -hmm. kind of those. We talked about baby steps. A little bit of titrating, see what is tolerable and tolerate. But when their nervous systems can slow down and warm up, and when they tune into each other, eye gazing can be more accessible. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's not another issue that we just mentioned.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up because you're right. There are some exceptions, like you said, Mm -hmm. people who are on the spectrum for whom that just would be way too overwhelming and detract from the experience. And you know, of course, it does depend on what stage people. Are in terms of how they feel about each other and the relationships, but what I'm hearing really is to always come back to the breath. That that's <laughs> probably the most fun <laughs> practice, right? Yes, right? yes. We'll always have that. Yeah,
1: that's that's it. The breath yeah. is it. we yeah. we we start out in a breath and we end with a breath. You know, yeah, I mean? and
0: that's a. I mean, I think great sex makes you feel alive, and mm-hmm. so does breathing, right? I mean, it's sort of it's very intuitive if you think about it. <laughs> Sally, I could chat with you for hours. I think you have so much to offer. I want to thank you again for joining the show. Where can people learn more about you and sign up for your workshops?
1: (laughs) Well, if you go to my website, which is Dr. Sally Valentine. Dot com, and um, you'll see more about the information that we talked about it here and also a schedule my next Tantra Workshop. So I have one that's coming up in August and uh, they can check into that. And me, give, if you get me on the website, you can do it that way.
0: Awesome, yes. I'll be sure to link everything in the show notes so that nobody misses anything. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time. Okay, Emily, thank you for having me. Thanks again for listening to Love and Libido with me, your host, Dr. Emily Jamia. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and drop me a five-star review. Share with a friend who might find it interesting. As much as we can learn from experts, nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing from each other. If you have a story that relates to today's episode or just a general question about sex or your relationship, visit loveandlibido.com and I'll share it on an upcoming episode. Be sure to visit my website, emilyjamia.com, to see my latest blogs and to check out my online workshop. Subscribers to my podcast can use code off. Finally, you can follow me across all the social media channels for daily sex and relationships chip tips at Dr. Emily Jamia. Thank you so much for tuning in.